Don't tell my mama that I lay pipes. She thinks I play the piano. In a whorehouse down on Main Street, she don't know I'm on the road. Pipeline trash, it's all I've ever done and ever known. I lay the mile by day and foot by night and call the road my home. Hello, this is Ty Linker coming from Ellsworth, Kansas. Out on the road is a new podcast I'm starting to discuss the ins and outs, the do's and don'ts, the how we got started, where we're going, ins and outs of the pipeline. I am here today in Ellsworth, Kansas with a friend of mine named Dalton Hendricks. Dalton, where are you from? Yale, Oklahoma. How long have you been pipelining? Uh, on and off since uh got out of high school, 2015. So. You what? How old now? 26. 26. Well, this first podcast is probably going to be a little rough because we don't have any idea of what we're doing here. We're just two welders sitting in a pickup, like I said, in, in a yard out in Ellsworth, Kansas. We're working on a sleeve job right now. I'm not going to say any names of any companies or anything like that, but just for, uh, you know, I don't want to get in no fucking trouble. But the the biggest part of this podcast, hopefully we'll reach some young listeners. I know there'll be foul language as I go through and interview different welders and we discuss different topics of uh, getting in, you know, what, you know, starting out as a helper, what, what should your main focuses be for the first two months, three months, six months out there, you know? Are you coming in, do you have a truck? Do you have a machine? Do you have a fifth wheel or, or a camper of any sorts? Did you just get out of welding school? Did you, um, you know, is your uncle a welder? Or your, or your papa was a welder? You know, I, I come from a background of zero real pipeline welders. I got some welders in my family, but they're few and far between. They're mostly plant hands, but I moved from Alabama when I was 20 to West Texas, run a run a wig a rig truck wig truck rig truck for a man named Gary Hogg, and kind of pieced together met pipeline welders and kind of pieced together a career. It was still a long time before I actually, I mean another what six seven years before I committed to the pipeline, um, and so forth. But that's what we're going to be discussing on here, and. Uh, <coughs> I got Dalton Hendricks with me today, so I'm going to ask him some questions, you know, figure out his career and stuff, and we'll discuss my career and go from there. How old are you, Ty? I am 33 years old. 33. All right, Dalton. Now, you you did tell me you'd started out as a tanky. Kind of oh, yeah. Explain what a tanky is to people that don't know. All right. It's tankies. You're building tanks. Basically, it's all you're doing. You know, we were working asphalt plants, putting tanks together, patching tanks up. And then because I worked on a farm, having to put stuff together, you know, on your own. So I knew how to read a tape measure, which in certain instances like that, these tankies, they're, they're not a weld, you know, no disrespect to them. But they're no fab hands. So I got put on fab, welding pipe, and everything. That's the only thing you really have to extra in tank stuff. So 
support in this, the stuff we were doing, because it was non-DOT. So I started out in that, and that's what got me fabbing. Then I went away from it. I went to school for a little bit, to college, because I thought I was done. Wasn't going to mess with it. Wasn't going to mess with no welding. What'd you go to college for? <sighs> Nothing. <laughs> <laughs> no, I went, I went to college for, uh, I was, what is it called? I was going to be a nutritionist. I thought I was going into the medical field, because it was consistent, you know, that oil fields up and out, up and out, up and out. It's crazy. So I was then, looking for more consistency. Is this, then you took the landman job or not the landman job, your uh, pumper job. Is this after college? Yeah. Right after college, right after college, I took this basically a pumper job over, over the maintenance of all the, this old, big oil field company. Short lived career in that. Short lived career. Yeah. Yeah. And then you come back to Weldon. Yeah. Then I come back to Weldon. Well, and right before so I tanked, and then I helped for a few months right before I went to college. So, okay. so I had a few contacts out there in the world. Yeah, I knew a couple of people. And then, so you quit You quit the pumping gig, go back, and you start helping. No. Oh, no. 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 We tried no. welding again. Yeah, I hadn't welded in a long time, but I knew the I knew what I was doing. I knew the gist of it, but I just hadn't been working. I did a couple of contract jobs doing fab and stuff through my LLC, but... That was it. So I sit every day after I drug up on those guys, run on that oil field company. I sit every day out in my driveway until I knew how to weld again. Practicing day in, day out. Start the machine before daylight, get it warmed up, and just keep rolling. Then I went and took a test. First job, tie-ins. No mainline, nothing. Not how you want to start. No. Not how you want to start if you're not confident. But made it through that made it through that did a couple other little jobs just little fab stuff you know like week two week jobs because didn't have any contacts and then i get hired on this real-time job it's real-time x-ray you can't mess around with that it's pretty serious and all these guys that i knew i wasn't close to but i knew you know you hear about them that are like the top welders these guys are the best out there been doing it for years well, they all busted this weld test. They all got run off this job. And I had a weld test scheduled to go test with these guys, so I was nervous. And I went, took the weld test, took all day taking it. Wanted to make it perfect. Passed somehow. Went out there on the job. First day we were out there, everybody but me and two other guys repaired out. Jeez. Yeah, that was my first, like, real mainline job. Sweating bullets the whole job. After that, after I went that 60 miles on that job, I've been, I've been good. I made a lot of contacts for me, got a lot of respect from a lot of people, and got me kind of started actually to where I could stay consistently working. Because, you know, you gotta have the contacts. You gotta have people talking. That's the only way you're gonna stay busy. For sure, for sure. Me and Dalton met each other last year testing down in Tulsa, Oklahoma, for a job, and so we kind of stayed connected throughout the year. And now, at the end, towards the end of last year, we was together for what probably two or three months now we're back together starting out this year but the <clears throat> go back to the to the real time real time <coughs> x-rays are not developed in the back of a trailer a guy sits in a lap in his truck with a laptop and he can see from the bead every little spot of slag inconsistencies in that weld i mean it's it's as high tech as it gets as far as and well. it's instant i mean it it's takes instant. a what does it take two minutes, three minutes to extra a 16-inch? And they can uh, pull your papers pretty quick yeah. out there on them jobs. Yeah, that's 
I started out when I finally decided I was going to go to be a helper. I went down to Corpus Christi, Texas. It was, the, I can say these come, Kinder Morgan Chenier. I was just a helper. I was working for some outfit out of Odessa, Texas. That I, They're not even around anymore. But I started out down there. I worked for a man named Hillbilly. We'll discuss Hillbilly on down the road. But he, uh, I don't know. I had, I had a lot of drive. I wanted to be a welder, but I didn't know the exact route to get there. Well, that man there is a, He's a stickler on a lot of small things, not so much the big things, but like how you roll up a grinder, how you roll up welding leads, how's your truck look, little stuff like that. He's very, very much so a stickler on it. Well, then uh, I worked for him for about two and a half, three months, from February till pushing like May. And I left there because I didn't have any experience on a <coughs> on a mainline job. We was just doing big inch fat, 48 inch thousand wall and little stuff like that. Well, we went out to, I went out to Pecos, Texas to work for another welder named Ronnie Motley. I worked for Ronnie for about two months. We done a lot of mainlining. Well, eventually got to where I was doing all the welding. Ronnie was just hanging out and they eventually caught up to us because helpers ain't supposed to be welding out on right-of-ways. That's a massive no-no. But you can get away with it for a time, but the inspectors will eventually catch you. They, uh, they run us off of that job. Ronnie turned to me and said, I better find a welding test because he was done with me. So I went and tested out for this company called Barrio. My weld machine wouldn't run the day, the night before the test. Laramie Potts, a friend of mine, was, we was trying to put the final touches on what I needed to be doing to take this welding test. Well, uh, I, my machine broke down, so we took it off. We put his 48, I think it was, short hood on the truck. Run a couple of coupons with it. Everything looks pretty decent. Go to take the test next one. I can't remember the inspector's name, Jason something. Anyways. Don't even make it past the bead, busts me out. Well, I continued helping Ronnie for another week or two. Well, now I went to work for a company called uh, New Mexico Rentals out in, well, obviously, Eunice, New Mexico. I tested for ETC for them, and that was kind of the first real experience I got, even though we was, back then, the guys I was working for, I don't even think they knew what they was doing, but, uh, and I done a shit ton of bouncing around after that, because that was back during the, the 15, 16, and 17 oil boom of West Texas, and it was it was pretty wide open. The, uh, the path, it's not the path of how you get there, it's the determination you've got to put in the time to, uh, to get there. And once you get there, to stay humble enough, that's, I think that's a big thing for a lot of us welders is, is remembering that we was helpers at one time, or we was laborers, or swampers, or or anything besides being a pipeline welder. At one time, none of us had papers and the big trucks and the campers or anything, but I think we all get uh, humbled eventually. I don't know about Dalton here, but I've been humbled a few times. Oh, no. With repairing out and repairs and <clears throat> talking to the wrong person the wrong way. I never repaired out, but before I broke out, because I was determined, all right, so I figured out, I knew what I needed to do, knew, what, knew how I needed to weld, knew what I needed to do to pass the test. But the only test I could get, and I needed to go to work at the time, a buddy called me. He's working on a job in Montana, which is far. From Yale, Oklahoma, that's a pretty good way. Yeah, that's a, that's a haul. But me, in a cocky little shit, I just hauled ass up there, bust the test immediately. 
<laughs> bust the test. Had to drive. They asked me if I wanted to be a helper because they knew I was broke. Buddy of mine was up there. You want to be a helper? I knew if I started helping, I'd get like if I went back, if I took a step back, I knew that I would uh, get like complacent. You know, I wouldn't want to mm-hmm. move forward. I'd get down. So I said no and just decided to wing it. I had like 500 bucks left to my name. It was pretty rough. I'm going back home. On my way back home, a weld boss called me because I'd, I'd called every weld boss under the sun at this time trying to get a test. Well, the weld boss calls me back and said, hey, these boys just bust this test. If you can get here tomorrow morning, I'll test you. You can go to work for us. And that's what that tie-in job I was talking about. Well, I was... 40 minutes away so I just went and a buddy of mine was on that job so I I stayed with him took the test the next morning uh, all over all about there. it yeah but yeah no I busted I busted one oak test too that was that was cool I busted two one oak tests test four and three times I only was got off, one set of papers that was off the beat I was pretty upset I'll share my one oak story one time I was testing over in Midland Texas for one oak um, Brian or Brandon Marshall. I can't remember the well boss. It's not a good like breakout company. They uh, they had a 16 inch 250 wall on a 6G. Old, by this time, I'd already upgraded a few weld machines. I had a 66 uh, red face. And for some reason, that machine decided it did not want to weld that day. Got everything tacked up. Got it put on the 6G. A little chilly outside, so we'll warm it up. Go putting a bead in this. Man, my offside, it was good. It looked good. But I didn't line up the seams on my onside. So I hit the where the, the seams was kind of off-centered from each other. So I hit the first part of the seam, left a little IPD. Hit the bottom side of the seam, little IPD. Continued on. It's like, I can come back and fix that. Well, I fought trying to fix it, trying to get the, the bead blown up, blown in there for, I don't know, four or five minutes. Got up there. Stood up to go get a drink of water because, you know, sometimes you need to calm back down. Especially test for somebody like one oak because you get all wound up and nervous and stuff. So I went and got a drink of water and I turned to my helper and I said, man, this thing's a bitch. And I had a woman inspector standing about three steps behind me. And she said, did you just call me a bitch? And I said, no, ma'am. I was talking about my machine and this test being a bitch. She said, no, I believe you called me a bitch. You can just roll your truck up. And I said, us, the well boss had come over by this point, and we were just having our conversation or whatever, and I said, I didn't call her a bitch. She said, no, he called me a bitch, so I just went ahead and I said, well, now you're being a cunt. Just rolled my shit up and left, but I really needed that job, but it didn't pan out. Then I went on a terror after that. Any phone call I got, no matter if I was working or not, I went and took the welding test, and I've done this for about a year straight i'd like 16 or 17 sets of papers and it probably wasn't the best way to handle it but i i got a lot of experience in going take a welding test that it wore out the uh being nervous for the most part i mean i still tested for roger howe a couple of times and some other inspectors that i i've I've got some buddies that are really really good welders that have went and you know slipped up or whatever on some of these tests and I've, I've been nervous taking those, but just your normal everyday 12 on 12, I mean, try to be done by like 10.30 because uh, 
we can make it back to the because they pay you all day. Yeah, they pay you all day. Regardless. Some of these low rent companies have gotten to where they want you to go to work afterwards. They want you to hire out, then go to work. But that's not if that's the, if that's, that's the, the case. I will drag it out all day, and we'll be breaking straps at four forty-five, and they can pay me to hire out the next day. And you don't want to work for those people anyway. Yeah. But luckily, the uh, the world ain't chock full of those people. But times like now where it's kind of hard, I've got some good welder buddies that's had tough times uh, finding tests and, and what have you. But for the most part, I've been fortunate enough to pretty much stay hooked up. But it's from contacts that I built in 17, 18, and 19 before COVID and all that that have carried me through and, pro- and propelled my career to where it's at. Now, I mean, I'm not the biggest name in welding, but I know of a few people and the contacts that I have are very good contacts or have been very good for me to have. <coughs> contacts is the biggest thing. Whether you're a helper, swamper, laborer, superintendent, rig welder. It's, that, that right there is why I wished I would have went back instead of just going straight back into welding or straight into welding. I wished I would have went and mainlined and helped mainlining for six months to a year just so I could know all the people, know all the different companies mm-hmm. to work for, know everything. Because I, I went in basically blind. Yep. So if I would have helped, I would have been able to build those contacts. And then when I got to where I was good enough welding, I could have went knowing at least who to call. Yep. And they would have supported you because they'd have seen, they'd have seen yeah. the work ethic mm-hmm. when I was a helper, you know. That's the important thing. All these helpers mess up by, they think they only work for that one welder, which you only do work for that one welder. But it is the other welders standing around bullshitting at the back of the truck while you're getting, like, sleeves or pipe or whatever, fittings ready to work. It's the helpers that are over there doing that that other welders take notice of and say, man, well, you know, hit them up later and say, well, you know, if you don't, if Dalton, if you get tired of working for Dalton or y'all have a falling out, you know, it can happen at any time. Or maybe you got to go home to handle an emergency. Dalton hires another helper and you need a job and I need a helper. I would like for you to come work for me, you know. And it's always good for helpers to also work for different welders because different welders are skilled at different things. Like, I have, I'm, I'm a pretty decent mainliner, but I've spent the last three years trying to be a solid fab hand. And I've and now well-known sleeves, split tees, and all that stuff. It's it's a little dangerous, but it's not. It don't take rocket science to weld them on. I would much rather go use my brain all day every day. But the uh, it's not so much the welder that you work for that'll keep you busy as it is the other sets of eyes that are on you around you as a helper. Same goes for a swamper. If you get a swamper that's helping an operator sitting on the edge of the bell hole and he's half-assed paying attention, and that operator hits the line or hits a conduit or anything and they run y'all off, well, you know, the company's damn sure not gonna call you back because you was lazy. And that operator, he's, he'll never speak to you again. You know, it's the same. Contacts is everything. Work ethic is everything. You know, keeping yourself humble and in your position <coughs> will carry you further than, I mean, you always want to present yourself in the right manner. So sometimes you upsell yourself, which is nothing wrong with that. But don't tell people that you can do something and not be able to perform. The worst part is is doing something that you don't know how to do and messing up. But some of this stuff costs millions of dollars. Two years ago, I was installing 
turbines up in Iowa that them things billions of dollars that that company had spent on them turbines to be installed. Little screw ups could cost them big time money, which also would cost the company I work for millions of billions of dollars, and you know nobody would have a job because they'd be out of business. You got to follow up on that, Dalton. You've been around some of them hands that uh, sell a little bit more than they can produce, and uh, not take the and they don't take the time to ask the questions. Uh, and another thing, like you was talking about on contacts, when you do go on a job and you do make friends and you do like working with people, what I used to have the worst habit of doing is I'd never get anybody's number. I'd make friends with them. We'd bullshit. We'd have a good time at work. You know, we'd we'd all. We'd work good together. And I'd leave a job, we'd welders be getting laid off, and I'd take off, and I wouldn't get anybody's number. I might get, if we, if I had a guy I was going to the bar with or whatever, we'd hang out, I'd have one person's number instead of all the operators, all the welders, everybody's number. And now I get on to a job. Shit, I got your number when we tested. Quick, yeah. quick. Yeah, but you were, you were, you're the same way, so. Yeah. Yep, as quick as I can get your number. If. If we G-Haul and stuff, like I'm not gonna go out of my way if you're one of the guys that stand over there with your white hat and your pop collar and just be, uh, I don't know, you try to be from East Texas or where, I have a lot of East Texas friends, but they are a, uh, if you're like they a, can be a different different breed. If you're like a pretend search. weld boss or yes. something on a job, you know, Yes. We're, not, we're, gonna, we're gonna go ahead and roll the window up when you walk up to us, we're not gonna deal with but, that. But the majority, of, where I learned how important contacts was, was in 2018. I was laying a pipeline for Hallman, the Red Oak line down in, uh, shit, Ozona, Texas. And it was uh, 100 miles of some 30-inch 441 wall. I had a brother-in-law partner there who was originally the first helper that I ever had on the pipeline. It was him. He was my brother-in-law partner by this time. And he, uh, he had some stuff going on at home, and so he left, which made me be a spell off hand. Well, they would ship me to the back to spell off fire line welders. I would go to the hot pass, spell off welders up there, uh, hot fill, spell off some welders there, and so forth and so forth. And when I had a little free time, I would go to the very front end and watch, you know, the bead hands do their job, try to pick up on what I could pick up from them. Because by this time, the only bead running I'd seen was done with tricos in West Texas. Maybe a little side boom here and there, but nothing like this. I mean, the big internal clamps and the double side booms and the engineered uh, bends and everything, how they was putting it on skids. And uh, I don't know, but I would, as I would go through there and talk to welders, I would figure out how they G and what, you know, how much they was willing to, to help with me and stuff. And then I would get their numbers before I ever walked away or, or I would come back at break and get their phone numbers, whatever it took. Then we would see each other in the campgrounds and I would go over there and bullshit with them but the biggest contacts I gained from that job was going to the firing line and going spell. I probably pissed off some younger guys around my age and younger. <coughs> they, was, uh, they was good welders, but I probably pissed them off because I would spend more time over there spelling off an old man, an older man. I won't say an old man because they were still doing their job at a high level. But them guys is what kept me working for so long because I could call them and they're like, oh, yeah, where you at? Blah, blah, I'd tell them. They'd be like, well, give me a job. Or, you know, can you get me a test or whatever? I'm like, well, I can't. I'm calling you. See, maybe you could get me a test. Well, uh, I've been fortunate enough to keep a couple of them. You know, I had the contact at the right time to keep them, to get them a job. 
and so forth. This, uh, the job I have now, I made this contact up in Iowa two years ago. He just, he was outside the hole and I was inside a hole making a weld with some other friends, with some other welders. I mean, they're my friends too, but we was making a weld and just the way we handled our business, when I crawled up, we had a conversation, shook hands and stuff, running to him at the gas station like a day later. We carried on some more conversation because we had free time. I got his phone number. Well, it propelled me into the past two years. I really hadn't even looked for a job because I've had a job. You know, and that's another thing. Once you, if you find a company that will take care of you, they're going to ask you to do some, some bullshit here and there, like work late nights when you don't want to work. It's cold as shit. They'll push on you super hard. But then you have times where you sit in your truck for 60 hours and you only work two or four and got paid for 60. There's a lot of pros and cons with these yeah, you, and you got to be able to deal with that. You got to you got to be able to, you got to be mature enough to realize like all right. We didn't have to do anything all last week and now they want us to fire up on this sleeve at 5 in the evening, you know. They're bringing out the light plan. It sucks. It sucks, but you got to be mature enough to realize like all right. We got our 5 grand, 6 grand last week. Yep. Let's let's nut up and get this done. You know? Cause that's why we're here. That's why they paid us all last yep. week because they need, when it's time to get it done, they need somebody that's going to get it done. And we do a lot of traveling, doing what we're doing right now. We're doing these anomaly digs. We do a lot of traveling. Like you started out your year last year in Michigan, Wisconsin, mm-hmm. you know, yep. and then worked your way back down. Then we went back up. We kind of, I went all, I went from Kansas to Iowa, back to Kansas to back all the way to Big Lake, Texas, back to Iowa. Yeah, what, what back I, to Kansas. What was it for me? I was in I was in the UP, Upper Michigan. I went down to Minneapolis, hopped over to Wisconsin Dells, back up to the UP, back down to Iowa, back up to the UP, to Kansas, Nebraska, and it was Nebraska when we were done last year. Yeah, so that's went. that was that was my route, Bouncer. Yeah. Because we, we was in Nebraska, we went to Iowa, made one more uh, weld, come back to Nebraska, got my camper. I stopped over in Bushton and made two one-inch welds and went all home to Texas. And then, uh, what, a little month break we had, a little bit over a month, month and a week, and we're back after it. And this year, so far, we're sitting here in Ellsworth, Kansas. The, the weather's been a little uh, off and on, to say the least, but... We haven't had a whole lot of snow this far south, which is good. Because we have digs in Wisconsin going on right now. No, they're in Michigan. They're in the yeah, UP. in the UP, and they got yeah. over four foot of snow yeah. on the ground. They've had it the whole time they've been there. So, the, uh, I almost started not to come back this year. I was working for a company in West Texas where it all started at. Barry was, I'd mentioned earlier. They, uh, but another thing about this line of work is we're all away from our families. I'm not bashing a company because the workload they had was only 50 hours a week. Well, if I'm going to spend, what's the difference in four hours or 10 hours from home, you know, if, if you're only making 50 hours a week? It's, I mean, I want to make money because there's no difference in the, yeah, in the time away from home. If you can't drive home every night, then you might as well yes. be as far as you can make more money. Yep. And these, these people pretty much guarantee us 60 hours a week. We may not always put in the work for them, but it's pretty much how it goes. We've been very blessed to be here. 
But when they call upon you, it does stink sometimes. Yeah, so a lot of plants when it's 15 degrees outside was a little brutal, but mm. but it's one weld, and then you know you're back in the truck. And we're around, you know. In a, another thing about whether you're a helper or whatever on any of these crews out there in the world or whatever, whether you're in Pennsylvania, Arizona, Utah, Texas, Kansas, wherever you're at. It mostly boils down to the group of people you're around, whether it's, you know, with your welders or, you know, the foremans, the superintendents. If if everybody can get on the same page, it makes jobs so much better. Well, yeah, you can actually enjoy your You don't work mind work. coming to work every day and putting in, you know, the days you got to work hard because the man only asks of you what, you know, what he's willing to put out too. So it's not – being around good people is – I've been on jobs where it was just – well, just yeah, you know, just like us putting them sleeves on in the middle of the night, you know, working into the morning, and we're all out there. Every one of us is dead tired, wanting to go to sleep, and we're all out there. We see something terrible happening, terrible gap, terrible fit, and we just laugh it off, make jokes about it, how we're fucking ourselves and all this, and just get it done. Yep. You know, if you're working with people that got a bad attitude the whole time, then yep. then it, you can't you can't laugh it off. You can't laugh off the. No, I can't stand to be around guys that talk about dragging up. Like, oh, we got to drive here. Well, I'm going to drag up. Man, just do it. Then. If you're going to talk about it, be about it. That's yeah. that's what I try to always exactly. instill in my stuff. So I don't like to be around people with their negative attitudes because I had that negative attitude, you know, years ago. And I know how how hard it was on people to be around me, which luckily I was humbled and got, got to where I was better to be around. But the uh, the people you're around has a lot to do with how a job goes the the demeanor on the whole spread so to speak but, but this is my podcast here and i'll have dalton on i'm sure time from times and i'm going to get some other some other welders so we can uh you know you can discuss new topics i probably won't the next podcast probably won't go so into myself i feel like people can go back and listen to this one well yeah this is kind of an like introduction to you. yeah okay okay you know, but the, the uh, um I have plenty of welder buddies, and I don't know how it works with the podcast on phone calls and stuff because some of them I'll have to call because they're way off in the world. But we will uh, go through it, and when I get around new people, I hope to get some. Uh, I'm going to do some helpers, uh, operators, swampers, you know, maybe some of these camper hands, guys, old ladies, and stuff to talk about their ins and outs and what they deal with on a day to day, finding laundry mats and all that business. You know, sometimes we're in towns that don't even have grocery stores, so. They're driving 40 miles to a grocery store or wherever, you know. <coughs> Try to just engulf our whole lifestyle because I feel like it's not a – like you got the TikTok boys. Like I'm a TikToker myself. But we put a we put a persona out there, but nobody knows our real – you know, the real stories about it. What, this, what you're actually going It's mostly through. just jokes and, you know, and people teaching you how to weld. But they're not telling you the struggles and the – some of them are, you know. Some of them do a good job of explaining everything. But I just want i want to have a voice for all pipeliners so I can, you know, we can sit down in a coffee shop or wherever at the campgrounds and get four or five guys around and tell stories and discuss, you know, what, what, what their trials and tribulations or their successes and all that going on in the world, you know, because – I don't feel like it's talked about enough. So we will continue that path, and I appreciate y'all taking the time to listen. Anything else from you, Dalton? Yes, sir. All righty. See y'all down the road.